My name is Liliana Barzola. And I love the scene in Mr. Magorium's Wonder Emporium where Mahoney says, 30 seconds, well done, now we gotta wait. And she's kind of acting like it's gonna be forever having to wait these 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Magorium says, no, we breathe, we pulse, we regenerate, our hearts beat, our minds create, our souls ingest. 37 seconds well used is a lifetime. Oh, thank you. and i loved your kitten sounds there too (laughs) hello beloved so welcome to the woke wisdom podcast with alexandra loves that's me i'm here with my furry cosmic guardians cyrus and bisu joyfully coming to you for the moon garden where wisdom is nourished awakening is embraced and fun is encouraged. (laughs) I'm so excited to welcome my guest today, but before I do that, I wanted to share the best way to acquaint yourself with this podcast, and that is to listen to the very first episode called Orientation, at some point, at your leisure. (laughs) And if you have any specific questions for me or about the podcast, you can text us at the Woke Wisdom Podcast number. That's 601-301-6974. Or of course, email us at wokewisdompodcast at gmail.com. And all of that is in the show notes. Also, I wanted you to know that I produce and edit this podcast all by myself. And I'm not a producer and I'm not an editor. <laughs> not on the technology side anyway. And there are mistakes. There might be a couple of strange sound levels in this episode sorry i'm learning and as time goes by i will get better so thank you for your patience and evolving with me and if you like what you experience on this podcast please help me by sharing far and wide with your friends online in groups and what is most helpful is if you subscribe or leave a shining review on apple podcasts apparently that is the best place to share to get your podcast seen so thank you for that And for this episode, I'd like to share a trigger warning. Though we don't talk about the details of domestic abuse, we do touch on the subject a couple of moments in this episode. So let's do this. Reverend Liliana Barzola, an intuitive since childhood, uses her gift to enable individuals, couples, and organizations to find clarity and direction. She is a first-generation successful mestiza, lesbiana, entrepreneur, She has conducted over 20,000 in-person and phone intuitive sessions and taught over 600 students since 2002. Her practice, Lotus Lantern Healing Arts, it's in the show notes, has an international clientele including individuals in Australia, Italy, Germany, all over the world, Japan, Canada, Venezuela, the continent of Africa, and the UK, and every single U.S. state. (laughs) She's experienced the adventures of marriage, divorce, death of loved ones, chronic illness, single parenting, and overcoming the trauma of domestic abuse. These things have leveled her, humbled her, tormented her, and forced her to grow. She channels a deep reservoir of compassion and laughter to help you get through it all too. And my favorite thing about this woman is that she loves to play. <laughs> Let's take a deep breath and welcome in Liliana Barzola. My first question, it's the most important question. If you could be an animal or non-human, what would it be and why? 
Oh man, any kind of bird, I think, just to fly and just to have that freedom to go and play. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I've always thought of you as, or experienced you as a super playful person. I think it's why people like to be around you and, and work with you, collaborate with you and, and just be in your life. Thank you. And I um, love that you're saying that because I, when you said that for me, I also thought about my trauma. I don't know why, but oh. of like wanting to run away with the fly away. Right. Cause it's like, also I'm like, oh yeah. Also I want to be able to like get out of bad situations. <laughs> I mean, you're like, yeah, you're so playful. I'm like, and also I like to run too. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know yourself. <laughs> And let's face it, sometimes it's a good thing to have that reaction. Sometimes it's better to run away than if rather than experiencing something worse. Yeah, trying to make it work, been there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't we all? It seems like a rite of passage. We'll get into that more, but it seems like a rite of passage that trying to make something work that obviously, if you looked at it from the outside, it's not going to work. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> uh, Liliana. This year, did you learn anything that was really significant about yourself in this past year that you'd like to share with us? Um, God, I'm really bad at these questions. Um, <laughs> I'm like, let's dive right in. Um, yeah, I learned that I really need to practice getting angry um, yeah. because I... I, you know, I'll just tell you that like, I'm 42 years old. Mm-hmm. My body's breaking down. Okay. I don't have the mobility I used to have. And so I've been on this big journey. Like, you know, people talk about COVID and COVID weight, not moving around and stuff. And I feel like it's not even COVID. It's just that I can't work out the way I used to. And so I've been doing like um, holistic biomechanics and Pilates and different things to try to get into my body and like, yeah. feel like I, okay. So I have really tense toes. That's what I think. Toes. Yeah. My toes are like, I, I walk on my feet and my feet are really tense so much so that I have holes in my shoes at the top of the toe. Yeah. Because I'm always like, I think it's from years of belly dancing and like being on the balls of my feet or like doing all this weird stuff with my feet. I also notice my hips go up and down. Like I'll be sitting and I won't have both hips down. I'll have one up. Like I'm in a belly dancing position or something. Oh <laughs> and my, my, my holistic biomechanics person and my Pilates person is like, you need to change this about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and so I've been like, you know, when kids are little and they have all this mobility and their, um, their muscle groups are all working together. And I've just, as I'm getting older, I can see my patterns are a problem. And so part of that has been exploring, like, as you know, we become perimenopausal and our hormones change, learning about my spleen and my gallbladder and my liver and all of these organ systems that have needed to detox. Right. And one of the best ways to detox the liver is to get angry. Oh, (laughs) and so I'm not, okay. So my Pisces. So I'm very, very Pisces and my Mars, which is the planet of like passion and anger and expression and sex is Piscean. So when I get really mad, I will cry at you. So I just go, and it's so (laughs) frustrating because I can't like harness the fire. And so 
I've been practicing getting angry for my health. And I just want to say that what I've learned is people who you think of as archetypally angry, Uh that angry person, I think to myself, I do not want to be an angry person. I hear you. I hear you. There's that whole stereotype of women who the system sees as black being angry. I get it. Yep. I don't want to be that angry person. Just like you're saying, I don't want to be seen like that, but I've also been in relationships where people are angry all the time. And I have partners who are angry all the time. And so I'm like, I do not want to be that angry person. I'm like the positive, playful, we'll figure it out kind of person. But I'm kind of damaging my liver when I don't go into my own anger because people around me are angry all the time. Wow. the person who is the stereotypical angry person, I'm not talking about righteous rage like you're talking about, which is like every reason to stand up for yourself and be in your truth. I mean, like when you're having that kind of like partner that's just grumpy at you all the time or they're <laughs> at you all the time. Yeah, yes. So that person isn't feeling their own anger. Mm-hmm. They're just taking it out on everyone, right? Right. So I've had to switch in my brain, like, okay, Liliana, don't worry. You're going to be actually less of an angry person. And you might even be better at standing up for yourself, which is awesome. If you can feel your anger. So my thing that I've been doing, which I'm just sharing because maybe it helps somebody, maybe it's your jam. Maybe you've got a totally better technique than me. Please comment and tell us if you have a better technique. Word, please do. (laughs) but your liver is kind of like under your rib cage on your right side. It starts there. So Uh sometimes I'll just put my hand on my liver and I'll say hello to it. And in Elizabeth Gilbert's book, um, eat, pray, love. That was so popular. I can't stand that book. Yeah. Yeah. I I saw the movie. It was, it was very like cheesy rom-com throw up in your mouth kind of. Yes, exactly. I mean, love Julia Roberts, but other than that, when she goes to, I think, was it Thailand? She has one of the elders tells her she needs to learn to smile into her liver, which is great because, you know, the liver is anger and joy. It has those kind of emotions. Uh And that's why you have happy drunks and angry drunks, by the way. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm definitely the happy variety. I, I believe like that a jolly person. Oh, I believe that about you. <laughs> so I'm saying like, don't smile into your liver, but like really talk to your liver about what you're angry about. Yeah. And so it goes like this. I just go, I am so angry about, and I just pick something. Wow. So when I'm thinking about being angry, I'm like, I can't harness. Remember, I've got that Pisces thing where I just cry every time I'm mad. I can't harness the rage. So I can't like throw things and kick things, which I wouldn't want to do anyways. But right? I can't even learn martial arts because I'm so like, I don't know. Don't, I don't want to push that person. You know, <laughs> I have trouble going like, ha, ah, you know. <laughs> and so while I'm dealing with this issue that I have, put my hand on my liver and say, I am so angry about, and I think, you know, like people get up in the morning and they do their gratitude lists and everything. I'm like, fuck that. I'm making a list of everything I'm angry about. Oh my gosh. You're speaking to my soul right now. This is what my morning pages look at look like in the last like two months, by the way, is just like, I opened something up around, uh, for those of you don't know, morning pages is it's, it's a a method of getting up and journaling and just dumping out whatever's in your mind. But what you're talking about, Liliana, is like I hit 
this place this winter where I realized I was really angry about a lot of things. And like my morning pages were just lists of anger, what I should have said, why, why I'm angry. Like there's some fuck yous in there too. And it's, you know, morning pages, you're allowed to be like child as child as, as you want. It's a really great cathartic exercise, but a lot of it, as I was reviewing some of it, I was like, wow, I'm just angry. There's just anger in me that I didn't even know. I didn't even know was present in me. It's stuff, stuff from like high school, Liliana. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm, on the way to seeing a therapist. I know, I know for those of you out there who are like, who are like, yes, you need to go see a therapist and process your trauma. I know that I'm on my way, <laughs> but yeah, I'm the fact well, that you're saying this, whew, I need to hear it. If Josie was here, she would say astrologically, of course, you're still angry about that thing in high school. Cause we just had the Venus return. So it was like everything right. from relationships past were coming up. People were running into their exes. I was doing sessions where people were mad about something that happened when they were 13. So it's, it might actually be your brilliance. Yes. It's my brilliance. <laughs> it's my brilliance. And I love the morning pages thing. So there's a technique that you're sharing right now. People listening can do like, if you're like, I can't hold my liver and get mad, <laughs> you could do your morning pages. Yeah. See what anger comes out unfiltered. Cause I'm imagining you're letting yourself do that. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing for me. And you're saying that you're actually holding your, touching your liver and speaking to it specifically about what you're angry about, right? Yes. And you can even be like more relaxed than that. That's yes, I am. And also you could just sort of hold it, say hello to it just to kind of know you're, you're kind of saying, I think we avoid our liver. You know, we avoid this detoxifying organ that we have here. Mm -hmm. It's why we get tummy aches. It's why we have trouble digesting fats as we get older yeah. um, or we get more upset stomachs. Like the things that I could have when I was in my early twenties, like milkshakes galore. And like, I think about uh, drinking that now and I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. It's French fries for me. <laughs> there you go. Right. So if you want to eat French fries again, start really expressing that anger with your morning pages. You're already, you're working out your French fry opportunities with that. French fry opportunities. I I don't know if any phrase has ever made me so happy than French fry opportunities. <laughs> Thank you for that. I'm so happy. <laughs> well, let's make that a hashtag French fry opportunities. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, but okay, so this is something that I I realized. So you and I both have had experiences with uh, partners who are either physically or emotionally violent. And, mm-hmm. and I, I realized that one of the reasons that I don't express anger, there's many reasons, but one of the significant ones is because one of the manipulative things that I experienced over and over again was uh, a partner. So somebody intimate and close to me that was telling me that my feelings aren't real or not valid or, you know, troublesome, or I brought it upon myself. And and all of it was just not true, of course. But at that time in my life, I was assuming some sort of that, that that person had more power or they knew something or, you know, some of that classic story around being in abusive relationships. And I realized that I really got trained to swallow all of my emotions. And, and even now, and anger is a really uh, important, obviously it's important to 
um, express all your emotions, but anger specific, specifically because you're talking about this like detoxifying process, you know? And I, and I realized like, even now, if somebody asks me how I feel, I'll never forget. I was doing a, a, a photo shoot and the person was, was doing the thing where they video you and get your, your reaction to the pictures. And I was like, mm -hmm. of course, like put this on your wall, like get more clients and like, I'll help you. Like I'm, you know, I'm so excited to help you in this way. And you can video me. If I cry, I don't care if you video me, like, like, let's do it. And she was like, well, how do you feel? And I would not say how I felt. And I, mm -hmm. and I, and the pictures were beautiful. They're all over my website and my, and my, you know, my website now. And I felt myself like feeling a whole bunch of things, but not talking about it and not showing it. And I noticed that pattern in my life, even in relationships. Now people ask me, how do I feel? And I'll have to talk about what it is before I can find out, like, is it safe to feel here? Okay. Yeah. Now I'll feel. I love that you shared that. I will also share that my not getting angry or not sharing anger or how I feel is because I haven't wanted to set off abusive partners. Yes. There's a repercussion. If I say I'm disappointed. Um, and those types of people are usually so good at de being defensive. So you can't even ask for a basic thing. Like I remember I spent seven years in relationships saying, could you just be nice to him, to me? Is there any way you could just be nice to me. That's it. That's all I want. I don't need roses or diamonds or just be nice. Yeah. That's yeah. so pathetic and sad. It's so sad. And I know I'm not alone. No, you're not. I've been there. Yeah. Wow. So, the other thing that I want to say when you're talking about <clears throat> emotions and like yeah. what it is to be human, there's that actress, Sally Field. I love her characters. Like if you think about her in Steel Magnolia, when she's at her daughter's grave yes. and she's like laughing, like crying, like yelling. It's like, that is the perfect expression of what the internal experiences of being a human where uh -huh. you're like, oh my God, I love, I loved her. Thank God my daughter was here and I got to have all this special time with her. Fuck, fuck. Why is she not here? Why did God take her from me? Ah, oh, you know, like that's yes. what it feels like. Yes. So I have an understanding and I share that thing with you of like, yeah, sometimes you got to like be in a very safe environment to be able to understand what it is you even feel. Yes. I'm uh, wait, what movie is it? Steel Magnolias? Steel Magnolias. Uh, yeah. I think I remember that scene and I'm going to link it in the show notes because I think it's really important to, for people to see that it's very cathartic. It's, it's very, uh, um, Oh, I wish I remember the archetype. There's an archetypal character in, I used to be in theater. There's an archetypal th character that sometimes shows up that, um, that's like su either super happy or super sad and like old, old sort of like comedy theater. And there's cool. the characters always swinging back and forth between one or other. And I remember even <laughs> auditioning for one of these characters once and for like half an hour, my job with other actors was to go back and forth between laughing and crying. Oh my God. <laughs> I remember like feeling so amazing after that. And they're like, are you okay? Are, are you okay? And it wasn't just about me being convincing. It was just like, oh no, I went through a, I went through a process. I wasn't even acting wow. at that point anymore. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, you're making such a good point. Cause I have a lot of actors that call me and like, when we do energy work and stuff, I'm always like, 
you are a psychic. Like you are channeling and transmediuming stuff and you all need these tools. Cause like, it's a lot of emotional work that actors do. It's amazing. Yes. And it can make people a little crazy if they, yeah. if they don't have the tools, right? I've seen it happen. <laughs> I've seen people throw chairs across a dressing room before. <laughs> oh, sure. Oh my gosh. Like when that person died, I can't think of his name. Um, mm. Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. Um, yeah. yeah. And he was in the middle of playing the Joker. I was like, of course. Like yeah, that wasn't it, surprising. That was not surprising. It's like, we need to care for our actors and, and help them. Cause whoa. If you bring that energy on, it's hard to differentiate what's you and what's the character. Right. And especially in these times right now, it's like we're lacking one of the things that for a lot of us anyway, especially for, you know, I live by myself and, and, but anybody, even if you have a family, you're isolated, there's something to be said about, yes, it's important to source from yourself. And we also, I believe are meant to live in communities and, you know, some people might even say tribes, but I'll go with communities, communal societies. And there is something to be said about getting reflection back to you from other human beings. Yep. And that got cut, if not in half for a lot of people in like, like to just a minutia of human interaction. And yep. I've noticed like, as I go back, as I go back into the world and do some more social things, I'm still being cautious now, but as I do more social things, I've, I've noticed like the way that people express emotionally and the way I'm expressed emotionally, it's kind of tentative. There's yes. like this veil that's on right now that yeah. just people don't know how to be around each other. And if, if we're in that space where even just, you know, emotions that aren't as big as like, you know, deeply expressed anger or fear or whatever, um, if we're having trouble just with like the basic emotions, then what is being suppressed? And I don't, I know that not everybody is at home holding their liver or like <laughs> in front of a mirror being like, I'm pissed at this. I'm pissed at this. This is so amazing yet. I know not everybody's doing that. Or whatever the of that work is. Yes. Okay. You make such a good point. Cause I agree with you. Like I had a friend standing in my kitchen the other day and she was talking to me and I was talking to her and then I just had this spaced out moment, completely lost my train of thought. And I was like, I'm sorry. I just don't know how to interact anymore. Like I forgot <laughs> what I was going to say. Cause it was like, it was a sensory overload to be around a new human in my environment. And it was just like, whoa. And I think at the beginning of the pandemic, I was a little bit relieved to have the time off just not from work, but like from just all of the social things. And I was like, okay, I'm curious. What is this going to be like? And then probably a year and a half in, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go out there. And just the feeling I want is like, that outdoor music festival or like mm-hmm. dressing up to go out to yeah. dinner. Like there's all these free freedom things that I connect with, like going out, you know, but that programming of having to stand six feet apart or stand on the X at the supermarket or cover mm-hmm. my face. I, that has been so hard for me and I'm programmed into that. And so I don't know how to reverse it. And now I feel like I don't know if I want to go out there. <laughs> like <laughs> after all this time, I'm like that, that ex- I got exhausted waiting for that, you know? So now I'm just like, well, maybe I'll just stay in here forever, which that's going to be a whole nother kind of therapy. I'm <laughs> yes. I'm as somebody who, who hermited, there was a few years ago, I was called to, to do a lot of really deep uh, emotional and, and spiritual uh, work through an initiation process. And so I, I really what like chose to be a hermit for like 
two, uh, almost three years. And right when I was starting to come out again is when we started getting stay at home orders. And so uh, now that, that there's a little more opportunity to go out, I am finding myself being a little too comfortable in the, like, I don't ever have to go out. Like I, I, it's like, there's a part of me that wants to, and then there's like the whole outdoor festival thing you're talking about. Yes. I want to dance with people to really good music in either dressed up or in a costume and not (laughs) care about anything. I want that deeply within my soul, but there's also this part of me that's like, I feel like the safest place and the place where I have the least conflict and least weirdness, social yeah. weirdness is here. And so maybe I don't ever have to go out and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's also, a, so I think we're finding a balance. Like you're saying, we're like, oh, it's okay. I don't need this as much as I thought I needed it as yeah. much. But there's also like this muscle that I am personally starting to rebuild of like, just even going to my Pilates class with a person who is just one other person. It's like, okay, like, what does this feel like to be standing here and having my body in space and having a conversation? It's like, it's all new again. Mm. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go back super quick. If that's okay. Let me know if I'm taking us off your. No, no. I want to hear everything you have to say. Um, I wanted to go back to when you were talking about, we were talking about partnerships and bad relationships. I feel like this is really up right now because again, plugging Josie and her astrology practice, she's really teaching me that a lot of relationships that started between 2008 and 2012 that weren't healthy are like coming to an end because of all the Pluto Saturn stuff that's been happening. So it's kind of unavoidable. So for example, couples that started off not super healthy, it's like, even if you're desperately trying to stay in the relationship, it's almost becoming impossible. Wow, And so I have a lot of people that are going through that right now. And one, one theme that I noticed, um, I don't want to make this about men and women. So I'm just going to say like, oftentimes the yin partner Mm -hmm. will tell me all about the masculine partner, like all of their trauma that the masculine partner has. It's kind of like a thing. So especially if there's abuse happening, the female partner will say to me, okay, I want you to help me with my partnership. And before I tell you anything, I want you to know my masculine partner has had this childhood trauma and this childhood trauma and this divorce, this woman that hurt them and this terrible mother and this terrible parenting thing. I mean, like, like, as if you're a therapist, you're listening to a therapist tell back the historical trauma (laughs) timeline, right? Yeah. But I have never, and then they'll go on to say, and then this is how they abuse me. And they never use that language, but it's like, you know tantruming, yelling, screaming, making me feel unsafe, you know, not letting me express my emotions without walking on eggshells, that kind of thing. The masculine partner, or like, let's just say the abuser never ever comes to me saying the same about their partner. Meaning the, the, that partner who's the abuser, they totally come to my practice. Like I get lots of people who are in that realm and they might know it that they do it, or they might be unconsciously doing it, but either way, they never wow. begin Bless you for with, holding that space. Cause those people need healing too. I have to do the work of saying, when you do this, this is how it feels to your partner's body. And because they've had this kind of trauma, this is what's re Oh, the wound that's reopening every time. Yeah. But also the reason I'm pointing that out is if you are over-functioning like that in a relationship, that is parenting, not partnership. And we really need to work on our livers if that's us. 
guilty, guilty over here. Yep. Over the over functioning queen yeah. over here. Yeah. <laughs> so back oh to the anger God. thing. Yeah. Let me just say that I am so angry that I'm the last person living in a, in a picture that I have. I have a picture. I just took it out the other day and I, there's my mom and my beloved sister and one of my dearest friends, Marissa Mayer and me. And this is back when I was pregnant with my son. So like 20 years ago. Okay. And I remember calling my friend, Marissa, who's still alive at the time and saying, I just found this picture and you and me are the only two surviving people in this picture. I am so angry about that. And I just took it out again. And and I had that epiphany, like, oh my God. And now Marissa's gone. So I am so angry that I'm the last person there. I'm so angry that my kids have to get sick. Like my daughter was sick last night. She was puking all over the place. (laughs) And I was like, God, why do children have to suffer? Like, I know gratitude around their lessons and then becoming adults and building their internal assets and all that stuff. But like, no, I'm actually angry that kids have to suffer and get sick. Yeah. This is how you do it. So I'm just giving you an example of like that permission I'm giving myself to just be angry. I actually feel better just like saying that out loud or to myself in my mind. And when I clear that energy, I I might sit with that for 15 seconds. You'll find that if you're just sitting with it for a couple of seconds, it actually shifts. And it doesn't mean like suddenly I'm happy or I feel gratitude, (laughs) Yeah, but I don't feel so heavy. I just feel like, oh, okay. I feel a little teensy bit lighter. Okay. I, I can do that. <laughs> I hope people listening will try it. That sounds like something accessible. It doesn't sound like a hard thing to do, and it doesn't take a long time either. I think and that's I know, a perfect like something tool for your medicine box to to try and start with. And I know there are people that are better at this than me, which is why I'm sharing it with you because I'm actually so bad at this. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, if I can do it, you can do it, right? And I just want to talk really quickly about. Um, Eastern medicine, Chinese medicine. I am not the expert. I have incredible clients who are doctors and they're the authority on this, but yeah, I want to talk about the spleen and the liver and the gallbladder for women, especially as we get older. Okay. So this was taught to me by Deb Carson, one of my acupuncturists who I love and adore. And she says, so your spleen is on your left side. Yeah. It's kind of like on your tummy there and you can put your hand on it, say hello to it. So there's this dance between spleen and estrogen. So we have a lot of estrogen for those of us that are in female bodies. We have a lot of estrogen when we're young and it gives Uh us oodles and oodles of patience. So like, you know, well, when like, think about it from a mothering standpoint. So if I'm the exhausted 40 year old mother and I have a nanny come in, that's like in her early twenties, You'll just see like, she can sit and play with the kids and have, you know, and even when I think about my relationships, I was a real nurturer. I'm less of a nurturer now. Okay. So that, that, that patience is, you're right. It's not a great word. It's more nurturing. There's like this hormone in our body that really is letting us nurture everybody. Okay. Okay. And so as we get older and the other thing about the spleen in my world, we say the spleen, the spleen can either digest food or thought. Wow. So when you're up at night thinking and thinking and worrying and worrying, you're kind of depleting your spleen. 
And that's like, you know, when you get like really stressed out and you can't stop worrying about something you don't want to eat. Yes. Okay. So the spleen, and this is going to be your thing, Alexandra, loves movement and dance or Yay! working out. So a great remedy to support the spleen is just move your body. You know, if you're yeah. sitting there, you've been worrying on the couch for three hours that you're getting nothing done. <laughs> yes. Just <laughs> dance for one song. That's it. Get out of my head, Liliana. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so with, this is what's amazing is the color of the spleen, this is what Deb taught me, is like a golden color, like honey. Yes. Yellows and honeys. And so when I'm meditating with a bunch of women and it's a lot of ages, the younger people don't like yellow. They just like, I'm like, oh, imagine yellow all around you. They'll kind of be like, eh, you know, think about that little old lady, like dressed from head to toe in yellow. And you're just like, what is going on? Even <laughs> yellow? Well, the spleen is so healthy. They don't really need that tonifying color. Mm -hmm. But if you think about honey, and so she says, imagine you're Winnie the Pooh and you're just swimming through honey when you oh feel depleted. This is a good meditation. Imagine the honey color because it really nourishes the spleen. Think about the nourishing nectar, the honeybee, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Now, as we get older as women, if we think about it from a mothering standpoint, your teens, your perimenopausal, your teens are becoming adults. Yes. You're supposed to give less to that age group. Dude. <laughs> this is what, a lot of nannies, lifetime nannies burn out around this age. It's, it's, I've noticed myself, like I work with kids all the time and I've noticed myself, especially in the last three or four years, I'm 39 now. And I've noticed myself, especially in the last three years where I'm like, I'm not a play nanny anymore. Like I still play with them, but it's, it feels so different than it did like six years. I started working with kids more than six years ago, but it feels so different. And I, and I was like, what, is there something wrong with me? I went through a whole what's wrong with me phase. And then I finally, I just accept it. And I, you know, I still find other ways to like have fun with them and everything, but it's a very different experience. So we can turn you into a crone, a grandmother. And I know you're not that old, right? <laughs> but you could just what? like, what? What, 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 what would grandma do, right? Like yeah. she probably wouldn't be on the floor playing with the kids in the same way, but she could be nurturing, give them a hug, whatever. And so yeah. maybe you're you're giving yourself permission for your nannying style to change. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like kids love their grandmothers. Yes. You can Absolutely. spoil them, but then be like, go find something to do. <laughs> yep. Time's up. Come on. <laughs> you have all these toys. Oh, watch. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, so it's common for perimenopausal women to call me and say, I can't take care of my husband anymore. You know, for example, like yeah. I just can't be in this relationship where I'm having to nurture at this degree at this mm -hmm. time. So what you can do for yourself, what I do for myself is again, imagine the honey meditation, yeah. understand this is a natural way of life mm -hmm. and not guilt myself. Right. Cause I feel so bad. Like I'm not the person I used to be. I'm not that nurturing giver anymore in that same way. Yes. And it's okay. And then if we come over to gallbladder and liver, which are part of this whole spleen configuration, they're decision makers and they're workhorses. So if yes. you're overworking, which you and I have worked our whole lives a lot, yes. yeah. our livers get wore down. Okay. And so when we are letting ourselves get angry and we're giving ourselves a break, 
we're getting our whole digestive system to change so that now we can digest our experiences, right? Like the traumas that I've had, like I just shared things I'm angry about become more digestible. I can process them. doesn't mean I feel better, but it feels less like I'm in a shock trauma when I see that photo of my friends and think, Oh, and this is, so I want to make sure I'm understanding because I understand the spleen part, but the gallbladder, like what's the practice that you're doing with the gallbladder? Totally doesn't make sense, right? The gallbladder and the liver are a team. You can think of it like the workhorse and the general. Yeah. So the gallbladder makes decisions and then the gall and the liver works, 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 works. And so when yeah. you get fixated on a project, you're inspired to do your podcast. Maybe you could yeah. be up all night editing because you're just so excited yeah. about something. Yes. That's your liver. <laughs> Your gallbladder also, as we age, it's starting to say, I don't know if I want to work for this person anymore. Right. It's, it's just differentiating where you want your life force energy to go. And there's so much more to the liver. It's, it's, it houses a part of the spirit. It's about your purpose in life. I'm not the expert. I won't talk, but just if you even Googled this, Yes. You would, you would learn some things that around sort of like the emotion of the liver, the emotion of the gallbladder from a Chinese medicine standpoint, and you can apply it to your daily life. Like we are here. Yeah. And you know what? I, I realized I had, a, I went through a lot of, um, attitude changes. That's the best way I can put it. Attitude changes in the last couple of years. I did a lot of collaborations and worked with some awesome, amazing people, but the setup of our work, like how we were doing the work didn't quite, you know, wasn't, I wasn't in alignment with it. And I came out very angry in some of those situations. And I felt like, yes, I, it makes sense to be angry, but the level of anger that I was having and everything attached to that anger, I was like, where is this coming from? Like, it just, it just was not the greatest set up for collaboration. Like we lived, we learned all those people I'm still friends with, you know, there's, there's no like bad blood or anything. It was really, I knew that it was a really personal experience and, um, and there, and they, some of those things kind of loop back now it's years later. Some of those things kind of like loop back in my mind and it spikes my irritability and my anger so high that I'm like, what the hell? And I realized like this, this year, especially when I started sort of peak, you know, I took I took like a hiatus off of, off of my work for almost a year. You know, we st- we did Sola, which was awesome. It felt really good in my heart. Yay, Sola. Yes. And that will come back again, you know, and still yes, we're bringing it back. It back. <laughs> um, but I, that whole year, I didn't really produce a lot of my own work. And as I was going through that sort of like, you know, hiding, I, I realized like, oh, I, it's important for me to do my collaborations differently. And when I was going through, like, I want this, but I don't want this, this is appropriate for me. And this is what's not pro for me, money and no money, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I realized that at the core of all those things, the very seed of all of my sort of standards and boundaries that I was creating for myself was I want to be involved with things that are aligned with me. If they're not aligned with me in any way, it's a big problem. And it doesn't mean I'm not flexible. It just means like to say myself to say yes and have an agreement to do something I really don't want to do or shouldn't be doing, yep. like literally sets my nervous system on fire. Yeah, you can't do it anymore. I can't. I literally can't. It's not about Alexander, show up and hustle and just do it. I've already done that forever. Yep. And it burnt me out and made me really sick. Now my body is like anger. Now I experience anger and irritability and all this nasty stuff. 
And I realized like, it's either aligned with me or it's not. And I can't push on that anymore. Yes. Yep. That is fucking profound. Like Mm -hmm. I match you completely in like, what is in my highest good? What's an affinity with me? I can't push through anymore. I'm too old for this shit. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. People say, naturally people know this to some degree. Cause I hear people say that all the time. You know, nothing about like how energy moves or, or Chinese medicine yeah, or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and I'm saying there's a biological reason even that you and I can't do it anymore. And so we can even just get like excited about that. Like, sorry, we're <laughs> in my liver. I can't be not possible. <laughs> and, and when I find that I'm angry and it's not getting better, cause that can happen too. Then yeah. I need to ask myself how I need to be supported. It's like, okay, then I just uh-huh. don't have enough support. And so what does that look like? I might need to phone a friend. I might need to go on a walk. I might need to baby myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, this is what we're talking about is radical because we do live in a system in which, and I see a lot of these clients too, I know you see this and I, and I, I, we both work with a lot of women. We both work with all sorts of people, but especially women. And, um, I have noticed like right at that turn of end of thirties, beginning of forties, where I'm talking to women that are like, I hate my job. I've hated my job for a long time. And, but they're not in that moment. They're, they're not in a position where they can just quit tomorrow. Sure. And, I definitely feel that in some levels of my life. And it's like, we live in this system that there's not, in in United States anyway, we don't have a system of like, take some time off and take care of yourself. Like you have to have a nest egg for that, or you have to have somebody else willing to take care of you. And that puts strain on them. Yeah. And so what we're talking about is a really radical act because when we're stuck in a cycle or stuck in a job and stuck in these things that we don't want to do. Okay. So then you're nervous. You're getting sick because of it. Your nervous system is, is like, you know, what happened to me? It's it's shorting out. Um, it could affect your relationships being stuck in this, doing things that, that don't align with us and we don't want to do, um, can change us in ways that can repel joy from our life. Yeah. And it's like, if we got really as a nation got really, focused on this. Yes. How would that change how we work and the ability we have to support each other and how we design our systems is quite radical. I'm with you. I uh, let's envision it. Let's keep holding that space for that. Cause God forbid you get sick in this country. I mean, there's a joke that like Americans, how Americans deal with illness is through a GoFundMe page. It's like, how do we pay for our, you know, you get sick, you better build a GoFundMe. Um, we become bankrupt if we get sick, God forbid we try to preventatively go, I think I'm getting sick. I am not functioning properly. I can't ignore this. Um, and, and one theory I have is like, you use the word stuck and it's like, there is this thinking in the United States also that it's like, you're going to get this job and you're going to do it for the rest of your life. The rest of your life. It doesn't like, it hurts me to think that way. Yeah. Cause it's not true. It's not really uh, true for anyone. There's very yeah. few people that have been doing the same thing for the last 30 or 40 years. Yes. So, you know, I think sometimes I really want to wait tables. Like <laughs> I, I miss, you would be the best server ever. I miss like the s- simplicity of like filling the waters. 
Yeah. And taking the orders and like bringing people food. Like, I love that. Now I know people who are waiting tables and are stuck in that job are listening to me think, fuck you, Liliana, you charge $180 an hour to talk to someone. Like (laughs) I wish I was doing that. That's kind of my point though. I'm like, what if we could kind of round table a little bit, you know, what if it was less that like one job is paying this. I'm not trying to say we should all make the same exact amount of money, but if there was just some movement and some leniency and some creativity around like, shit, I'm going to take a couple of weeks off and go work at this place and help my friends out who are running their restaurant. That sounds super fun. Like that's kind of what I'm working towards personally is all the different kind of things that we can do creatively to support each other, to help each other. You know, I was, uh, I was at a, outdoor music festival long, long ago. And uh, <laughs> it sounds like a previous life. <laughs> I know. BC. Um, and I was hanging out with this, this kid from uh, Denmark, I believe. And he was probably my age. So this was back a little while back. So I was like maybe 33 or 34. And he was telling me about his trip he was going on a trip across America. This festival is here in Oregon and he had just been to the Grand Canyon and he was going to like, you know, a couple more places. Basically he, he was taking off the whole summer. He was taking off like three, three months and he went around uh, the United States. He went to a couple of places in South America. And then he went to another European country that had never been to for over these three months. And I was like, wow. this is amazing. And in my mind, like, like the capitalist I am living in this country, <laughs> I'm like, how can he afford it? Right. Yeah. Rarely will you hear like a European person being like, and where does the money come from? Right. It's a different world. Right. I'm like, how does he afford it? He's my age. Like, you know, what's going on. And so as he's continuing to talk and I'm like, I I have to ask you, like, do you, do you work from wherever you are? Like, are you, do you work online or whatever? He's like, no, no, I'm taking a break from work. I'm like, that's fantastic. What a blessing that you can. And I have not created that so much in my life that I can take big, long breaks like that. It's just, I have not created that yet. And I will one day. Uh, I believe it. I'm in agreement. Yes. Yes. And, um, and so he, he was like, no, no, I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm taking this break. And I said, oh, okay. And then later it came up, like somebody else was in the conversation and we were talking about what we do. And he was like, I work in a grocery store. And in my mind, I immediately was like, he must own it. Right. And then later as we continue, because we hung out a lot, it turns out that he is a clerk in a grocery store. And by clerk, he means the person who actually checks people out. <laughs> You're and like, I, let me explain what I mean by that. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he checked people out and it was time for him. He felt like he wanted to take a break so he could find himself. And I guess in that country, there's like a stipend for that. And his job was waiting for him when he got back. So he had the money he saved from getting paid very well as somebody who checks something out, checks things out. By the way, they can sit down there when they check things out. That's another thing. And then, so he used some (laughs) of that money and the stipend from his country who says, yes, you need to go find things out, go for it. And when he goes back, he's going right back to a job where he can sit down and check things out. And I was like, wow. The right, fighting that goes on here, the anger, the, the, the just toxicness. Can you imagine if we could give a single mom, look, you need to figure yourself out, single mom. Absolutely. Go figure yourself out. Take two years off and raise your kids. Enjoy your life. And when you come back, like our society is prepared, like meaningful, dignified work for you. 
where you can take care of your body and work at the same time. That That sounds normal, but in the way we live right now, it's radical. No wonder we're all searching, you know, in this time of our lives, like for the thing we need to do to clear our liver and, and, you know, we're all, you know, trying to heal our bodies and in whatever way we can. And it's, um, it's such a strange reality that we have accepted as normal. Yeah. And you are doing an incredible job with your story, recognizing how fucked up that that is normal for us. Yeah. And like, you're right. My first thought in my head when you were telling the story was like, oh, is he the child of a billionaire? Like I wasn't even thinking millionaire. I was just like, (laughs) (laughs) is he, is he a trust funder? Like, must be. (laughs) (laughs) And Um. and I think, you know, people in this country just even want childcare. Like they're not even asking for two weeks off or two years off or anything. It's just like, man, childcare that I could afford would be amazing. Cause a lot of people have to decide whether they're, it's even worth it. You know, I have to make a living, but I have to pay for it. And we, and by the way, moms, we want to pay our childcare providers. Again, that goes back to that idea of like, you know, that permission to have a job where you're getting paid well for something that's like human. It's a human experience. Yes. Uh, I saw this meme. I love that, you know, there's millions of memes out there, but I love when there's like really succinct, perfect ones that like explain the big problem that everybody is debating over. And it's like at the core, this is the, this is it. And it was, I don't know exactly how they worded it. It was so perfect. And it was basically like, cause they were talking about like the $17 an hour, the approval of the $17 an hour or whatever. And the meme basically was like, even if you made $20 an hour, you're still living paycheck to paycheck. And it was like, in response to somebody being like, we should be happy that we're at $17 and not, you know, some Senator or whatever, but yes. this is a privilege that you're getting paid. So, and the guy was just like, nah, dude, like reality check, let's call a duck, a duck. You know, this, this is the era of calling a duck, a duck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to go back to, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I want to go back to something that you're saying about anger. And I think it's important to address, especially since both of us are in, whether or not, however we decide to be in it, we are associated with and are in the world of like spirituality and healing and self-help, right? And we know there's a range just like in any industry or any sort of community of bullshit and abusiveness (laughs) to like real deal you know, real deal healing and like integrity interaction. Right. So, uh, but we've both ex- experienced like all of it, you know, the range. Yeah. Yep. And so there's something that I, I I'd love for you to, to talk about. And that is this idea, uh, that is definitely being dismantled a lot right now, but this thing about like, Oh, I'm angry. So I attract, so I must've done something to attract that anger. And these ideas of like the, I, is that, we should be happy all the time. And if you're angry, it's actually negative because yeah. I remember when I first was sort of introduced into like spiritualism and all this stuff. And that yeah. was really common. It was, if you feel a quote unquote negative emotion, like anger, right. that it's bad, you're bad and, and you created it and you're less spiritual or whatever. So 
Do you have any stories about that? Or, or oh I'm sure you've done I, you are like, really I'm just like, that. I love you so much right now that you want to talk about this. This is literally what I have talked about ad nauseum for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even scratching the surface of everything I want to say about it. So first mm-hmm. off, really what it is, is, you know, the, the word that we, the phrase we use now is spiritual bypass, which is great. Yes. Yeah. It's a re- thank God for that word. Thank you. Whoever invented that word. Yes. But it's also just recycled religion. It's recycled like Catholicism. Oh yes. <laughs> so My mom, when, when I was a little kid, I would say, mom, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like kids do. And she'd be like, I wanted to be a nun. And I would just be like, what? My mom too. What? Oh my God. Is your mom Are about you 70? Is your mom about 70? Oh, my mom passed away, but she would oh, be. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yep. yep. My mom too. She wanted to be a nun. Oh my God. I didn't even know that was a thing. Okay. I'm not yes. alone in this. I think it's so, definitely a thing. She totally would tell me that she would go around like as a teen girl, she would go from like nunnery to nunnery to nunnery to try to see which one she was going to join. She got pregnant. So it did, it foiled oh, her plans. Okay. <laughs> she was a terrible nun, clearly. Um, and so... Uh, she would say, and lots of times I would sleep on the hard floor just to be closer to God. So this idea in Catholicism that like the more humble you are, the more you suffer, the more you like give of yourself, then the more pious and the more God will reward you, which we know is total bullshit because the church has so much money and it just circulates within the church and they don't really help people. And I'm not against religion, but I'm just saying it's an organization that's more mafia-esque. And so in order to control the people, we've had to make up stories. So the new agers kind of take a version of that and recycle it for spiritual bypass, which is especially for people of color, so damaging because then you think to yourself, like, I must not be good enough or loved enough by the divine to be Mm. given these things. And I mean, it goes back to all these. Exactly. Exactly. And these money books that I cannot stand that all these famous people do. And like, they start with like, okay, so I needed to pay my credit cards off. So my parents bought me a condo. I decided to sell that, use the profits of that to pay (laughs) off my credit cards. And it's like, why would anyone want to, that is a real book, by the way. (laughs) Oh my God. Why would I don't doubt it take, because the thing is, if you're fucking poor, your problem is not budgeting. No, it's not. And that is not budgeting. <laughs> it is that every time just now starting, people are starting to just now understand that. Like yep. I, I started seeing people on like, I, one of the books I read prosperity books once was like, Oh, all the things that you owe and just, just put them on automatic in a bank account. And, and let it pay itself off. What? I was like, but where does the money come from? <laughs> and the person was answering questions, actually a video, the person answered the question is like, the thing, he's like, the thing I'm trying to get you to understand is that don't immerse your mind in these things you have to pay off. And I'm like, and the guy's like, yeah, but where does the money come from? Yep. And the guy couldn't answer it because he's, he's a millionaire whose parents were millionaires. And it's, yeah, you, the things you pay off, you just put it over here and it comes from a bank account that has interest of like $3 million and yep. you don't think about sure. it. Yep. And my favorite clients are some of the richest people. And I will tell you, they, they are good people who know that if you're rich, you don't think about money at all. And if you're poor, yeah. 
It's all you think about. And I love working with them, but the rest of the world doesn't understand whether you're poor, you're rich. If you have that belief that if you don't have enough money, it's somehow your fault. It is such bullshit. Yeah. And so I think that a way that we can do that is start to have compat to clear this, have compassion for yourself yeah. and your hardship. So recently I posted on my Instagram, um, there's this woman, her name is going away from me, but she's like money. She's a money person. And she said she got really passionate because she identifies as LGBTQ. And so she's like, there is a different situation that you're up against when it comes to money. And so she does help people with budgeting, but she's coming up from the perspective of like, it's not your fault. Like there's challenges. Maybe you were cast out of your family at a young age because they didn't support who you are. And so now you don't have that generational wealth. And if you're not a white person, you don't have generational wealth in this country. So there's so many pieces to it. And so I think it's very, I mean, every time I watch a TikTok video, that's like, here's how you do your DNA code for wealth. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I am an energy worker. And I can tell you, yeah, you can clear pictures that are poverty pictures. You can clear death pictures, past life pictures. You can clear self-worth pictures. Yes. And it does help you. But the only thing it helps you do is say yes more easily when yes. someone's offering you money and it's an affinity with you. That's all it's going to do. It isn't going to make it rain money. Like a lot of these white new agers who are out there that are just saying, here's how it is 15 seconds a day. It's like, if you made intention towards anything, it's like when you learn a new word and you start to hear it everywhere, mm-hmm. that's great. So put money on your radar. It's an energetic it's yes. an energy. So it's like what we're clearing as people who are maybe in you know, been in the minority or underserved populations, it doesn't work for us to think of it that way. Yeah. For a rich white person, they should definitely take that class about auto pay. <laughs> That's it. That's the only person that needs that class. I feel like, you know what? I'll pay your bills for you. You just give me a million dollars a year and I'll handle it for you. Sure. I'll start that service. No problem. My dream nonprofit is, uh, you, you, you know how they have like pimp my car, or like do something to my home. I feel like there should be like a nonprofit or television show that like goes to a single mom's place of work yeah. and cleans her car. Right. Cause every single mom's car is trash. You've got diapers in there. You've got snacks, you've got everything. And it's like, what if you came out from work and you're, it was like a caddy organizer in the trunk of like everything it. and it was all cleaned and vacuumed. And I'm like, that's how you make the world a better place. Yeah. You know, there's this, I just saw this something in the same energy. I just saw this online somewhere in Amsterdam. There's trash. I think it's, yeah, it is Amsterdam. It's called trash fishing. And they take people out. Yeah, locals and tourists do it. So they take people out on these boats and then they go around the canals and they give a tour of the canals, but they also have like nets and they pick up trash as they go and they turn it all into this place that makes all sorts of really cool furniture, like beautiful furniture and different wares for the home out of the trash. And then it's like also a system of, they keep track of what they make. So like, if you have a table and you don't like it anymore, you can bring it back to that place and they'll resell it and everything. And the pieces were like really cool. Like I, I really liked it, but that like what you're talking you're giving about me hope yes. <laughs> for humanity right now. <laughs> Strangely, I saw it on Facebook, which there's not a lot of positive stuff on on Facebook. You mean as much as I put it on my wall. Oh. 
we're going to have to have another podcast session to even talk about <laughs> what is happening. I'm telling you my dreams recently Tell me. have been like, there's been a lot of weird, like robot, I guess they call it transhumanism where it's like people merging with robots. And, and I've had a lot of dreams about robots and and people and I got to be really honest I I saw something on Facebook that gave me a little nervous breakdown it was like growing a baby inside an electronic womb and I was like nope am I too old I don't know if it's that I'm I'm getting old-fashioned I just turned 39 I don't feel like way too matrix up in here (laughs) yeah like I just what what about like did you see the dog? It was on NPR. There was like, oh, is it like a robot killing dog for war? And it moved like a dog and act like a dog. And I'm a dog lover. And I was horrified. And no. I just heard this, this woman who does AI stuff and I can't, I'm, I will give it to you for the show notes, but she has like a nonprofit organizations. And she's like, Hey, if we just keep funding research for war AI uh-huh. or like um, you know, software engineering that makes a bunch of money, AI, like we're going to get in trouble and you can't retrofit a lot of that research into something. So she's trying to fund AI, like from a human perspective of like, how could it make things better? So I think we, we have to find that middle ground. Like we can't be afraid of it, but we have to like be at our voices to the table. So like they're not growing babies in robot wombs. Like that's that one, that one, like real. I was like, Oh, I'm going to get off social media for like a good couple months because that one just like, you had a real lie down after that. I really couldn't take, like, I couldn't take that. It just, it hurt me really deep down. And okay. So what you're talking about. Okay. It's really interesting. So a friend of mine is making this documentary right now. And, um, when it becomes public, maybe I'll add it to the sh- to the show notes. It's a beautiful documentary, Elder Wisdom, Prophecy, uh, talking about the world we live in and our our what we're doing in this world. And um, he's talking about how when he started working with people who want to fund things and where he puts his energy and focus, he realized that it's important to put it on what could be created for a future rather than fighting what something we don't like. Right. And I, I think that's kind of that energy that that woman is in. And I've definitely had like that sort of spiritual or ancestral message come to me in my own personal life, because I'll tell you when I started teaching like anti quote unquote, anti-racism for a spiritual perspective, the caveat of that is that it wasn't really anti-racism. I used the word so that people knew what I was talking about so they could find me. But, um, when I started like teaching that, uh, I did summits and interviews and it I ended up being in a place where I was talking, I was with a lot of activists and I wouldn't self-proclaim myself as really as an activist, but I found that a lot of what I wasn't liking in social justice and activism was we have to fight, we have to fight, we have to fight. And the fighting begets fighting. And it was like feeding, I felt like it was just feeding a war. And I saw it in the communities. I saw it in the Facebook groups. I saw it in the work that they were doing. Sometimes they would create some really awesome stuff, but it seemed to, there always seemed to be like uh, some big resistance that that was keeping it from really flourishing. And so you're yes. saying this woman is, is, you know, asking people to start focusing on creating something that's good for humans that builds and everything. And this is a theme in prophecy. It's a theme, obviously, in the AI world that's emerging. It's yep. it's a. I've seen evidence over and over again that 
when I, in my own life, if I focus on like, this is what I want to see. And this, when I try to fight against the haters on my Facebook, like when I was doing all the videos, when I try to be like, oh, this thing that women are experiencing, here's, I'm going to teach them how to be warriors and fight. No, but let's be the peaceful warriors. The peaceful warrior knows that fighting is not the first option. It's the last one, really. Absolutely. And, and that's, I feel like that's where we are as, as humans is like, let's build what we want to see. Let's create a new world and, and something that benefits human beings. And I, I believe with AI and electronics, I don't, this isn't Mad Max. It's not like, or not Mad Max. <laughs> Sorry. This is a wrong reference. This isn't Mad Max. What's, what's the reference with Kurt Russell, the Kurt Russell movie where like he has Gosh. a switch. It's from the eighties. He has a switch and then he switches it. All electronics die. Oh, it's I a famous movie. Oh God, I'm sorry. I don't know it. I'm Somebody not knows. Somebody will just tell me, <laughs> tell me in the comments if, if anybody it? knows. Um, yeah. You're somebody making knows, me but... think of a book and I'm spacing on it. Of course. I'm like looking around at my room at my bookshelf because she is, she is like an herbalist and a midwife and she yeah. talks about activism Yes, And she uses it from that kind of um, permaculture perspective of like the mushrooms and mm-hmm. mycelium and, and what you're saying, which is like, we need to kind of have another approach and also cancer. Like it's also how we talk about cancer. Like people who are fighting that um, are kind of given the language of fight it. And it's yes. this thing that is against you. And it's like, um, we want ourselves to differentiate self from non-self. We don't want them to yeah. just go, 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 right? Because yes. that's how you get a tumor. It just keeps going and going and going and going and growing. Yeah. And you actually want to turn off the part that's overworking, which okay. is again, a liver idea. Okay. And you want to differentiate self from non-self. Like you were saying earlier, when you said some projects are good for me, some are not. And yes. you were noticing the culture of the activism work. You were like, these are not my people in this way, Yes. but you're still building a team and saying there are many of us activists who are trying to like be strengthened numbers in the other way of like yes. you saying, I'm burnt out. I can't fight like this anymore. And I'm like, take care of yourself. Like I'll be at the post, you know, I'll be yeah. a hypervigilant person keeping you safe, which is, it's hard when you're moving in the world, you know? And for me, oh, like, yeah. oh I, I'm just saying, yeah. Yeah. So my, my awakening was <clears throat> at 13 going from a, a very diverse culture in California to coming to Oregon, which you know, has so many just closed minded um, people. And mm. I don't, I'm not even talking about like Republicans. I mean, white liberals can be exactly the same. Um, and at 13, <laughs> I had such a shock, you know, because it was like, wow, it was so different when people were asking me like where I was from and what was I and all these things because. I didn't understand it was anything more than human. I was used to being in environments where there's just lots of different cultures and different languages and people who yep. look all kinds of different ways. Yeah. That's and how I, I grew up as well. Yeah. I bet you have some stories to tell. <laughs> I do. And I will tell them eventually, but I, I feel that deeply like that you have an identity as human, like color and all that stuff just doesn't really come up on your radar so much. Yeah. And still until start people in society start to make you feel othered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was taking this class on the brain and like neuroscience and racism. And it was talking about, I was taking this class on a neuro 
neuroscience and the brain with racism and how like that happens. And they were talking about like your stages of identity, like your, the identity of your race and how different it is for white people versus people of color yeah. and just getting othered in the process. And I got an incredible healing, like learning this, but people would look at me. It even happens to me now when I'm like walking around, like I'll just, you know, the other day, two little white ladies were like, oh, honey, look at that girl. She's so er exotic looking. And like, mm -hmm. like I can't hear them. And I'm just like, what, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. constant comments about my skin tone. And if I come back from Hawaii and what, you know, they just can't figure me out. And he talked about how in the brain, the way the brain takes in faces, um, if you've never seen a type of face before, it's almost like they can't see you. And I am oversimplifying something so much more complex. Oh, I can hear the implications coming though. Please keep but going. For the first time for me, I was like, wow, like they couldn't see me. Like their, their brain literally couldn't put me into any box. And so I have all these years of emotional labor of having to explain who I am. Mm -hmm. And I'm, but it, it did help me a little bit, not personalize it as much. Because yeah. you do feel like when you're constantly asked that every single place you go, yes, it is so fatiguing. And it was only until my 12 year old, I've told this story before, but, um, my daughter was like, we had, we were rushing around to go someplace and the whole thing started again. I was trying to get out of there. We we're trying to get to place. And it started with like, Oh, did you just come back from Mexico or Hawaii? Or like, you're so tan or whatever. And my daughter watched me do the thing I do every time, like trying to be polite, like, no, no, this is, I'm just more melanated and da, 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 da. And we're in yeah. Oregon. And I got in the car and my daughter was mad at me. She was just like, I am so angry. She's like, you do not ever have to tell anyone why you are the color you are. Wow. And she's gotten to the point of holding up her white arm because I have a very Caucasian child yes. <laughs> and saying next to my arm, we spend the same amount of time in the sun together. <laughs> like she's just like taking oh, over describing it. Like I, we have somewhere to be like, we're going to talk about this here, arm in arm next, please put our groceries through. We're going. That's beautiful. Good for her for like being powerful about that at such a young age. I got such a healing from that, Alexandra. I was just like, oh my God. Yeah, I'm going through these motions. And like, I don't have to be rude, but maybe I don't need to be so dang nice. And I'm nice because I don't want to get in trouble or I need my fucking right? groceries. Like there's all these reasons I'm doing yeah. it. But I had that reflected to me and I just felt so empowered from that. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, like when I moved, to, so I didn't grow up in this country and I moved to this country. Uh, I didn't grow, I grew up in an international community and I didn't grow up with like a race identity, like black or African-American, which is why people hear me say all the time, like the race that the system once imposes on you. I'm looking for all these different ways to be like, like let's separate from from if if you want because some people embrace whatever the identity they're given but for people who are like me who it doesn't make sense to identify with something that's that is not aligned with me then i'm looking for all the different phrases to to explain which i don't even want to explain but anyway so um my experience was people would say, what are you? Now I am obviously like brown. I have brown skin, but I think it was just the, the age I was and the way I carried myself. I'm 
I'm not really American. And like, there's, there's something about, I'm American by passport. My parents are American, but I was born and raised overseas. So there's something about me. I carry myself a little differently where people can tell there's something off. So people would ask me, what are you? First of all, not like, what are you mixed with? Or, you know, where are you from? What's your hair? What are you? So rude. It's so rude. And they don't even know because no one's asking them those questions, you know? So I'm already like sort of commodified and and so then the, the question, the questioning would just go on and on and about my history and my parents and all this stuff. And I thought that that was culturally, now I traveled the world and you learn by how other people, like relationships you form, right? And so you, I try to follow suit. So I thought for years that in the United States, how people, just people relate to each other was with was that phrase. asking was like first of all asking wow. about where are you like where are you really from where where's your blood from what why do you look the way you look I thought that was normal and so I would do that to other people and people <laughs> would be like you're being so invasive this that another it was only now I went through like race identity crisis for over 10 years it was only mm-hmm. like like maybe you know I'm still learning things that were happening back then that yeah. I'm like that's what that was yes you know yes. that's yes. It, I'm telling you, I took thing. this class. I got this kid in my car telling me, why are you? And I'm like, I am 42 year old woman and I am still figuring it out. It's, uh, and I'm glad we are. And, and I, I also want to say like, when it comes to activism and stuff, uh, like there's a lot of activists who are down there in the streets who are like keeping the focus on things that need to have focus. So I know that there's a role, you know, there's a role for like all the, all sorts of activism. I just would like all activists to, and activist groups and communities to be in a position where they can also take care of themselves and not expend so much energy on things that are also hurting them and also pulling away from their intention, right. Of what they want to create. Um, but I, I, you're making such to, a good point. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I'm I'm just really grateful we're living in a time where it seems like the energy of everything we're experiencing and the physics, the science, the spirit, the technical stuff, and the the reflection of the structures we're living in is all coming together. And we're seeing how everything is connected and so many healing modalities, so many healing ways of thinking are, are coming up in our existence. And it's easy to forget that if you spend a lot of time on Facebook, it's a, it's a easy thing to forget if you're not in contact with a lot of human beings. It's also very easy to forget if you yourself are surround are ex- steeped in or around a lot of people who are living in fear and yeah. unexpressed emotions like anger. <laughs> yeah. Nice way to wrap it back around on the anger, right? (laughs) I mean, because the anger is fire and that fire is activism and it's like standing up for yourself and it's righteous rage. And that's so productive because you can channel that into something, right? Yes. The grief and the sorrow and the victimization and the feeling traumatized that we all experience is the watery energy. It's Liliana watering and crying when she really wants to be in her fire, right? Mm -hmm. So- you're making me think about activism. There was a story I read. It was in England somewhere, I think. And the government had put a spy against the climate activists for like 15 years. There was this person who worked basically for the police um, and wasn't really a climate activist and was just trying to get them caught like a Mm -hmm. sting operation. Yeah. 
which is so intense to think about. <laughs> yeah. And they interviewed these, these activists and they were just like, I'm so burnt out. I'm done. When I learned Frank, I'm going to make up his name. When yeah. Frank was a bad guy. Like I just, I give up fine. Let the world burn. I don't know what to do anymore. <sighs> wow. And I think your point is if we stay at that fire level, we're going to burn out. Yes. We need all of these elements. Yes. It's, it's radical and also our birthright to be able to heal ourselves and to seek healing. And, you know, with everything going on, and we've talked about a lot of it, there's also things we didn't talk about. One of the very clear prophecies that I follow, it's not something that it's not in a book, it's not written down. It's something that comes through like my own temple work and through West Africa is that what we're experiencing is the end of a way of being. I'm sure it's not only coming out of Africa. I'm sure there are other prophecies. I've read other prophecies that confirm this. This isn't like a things are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. and worse. They might get worse before they get better, but yeah. we are at the end of an era that, and the way we were doing things in that era, all that stuff is breaking down. It might seem like there's all these control things coming and, you know, all, all of these new structures that, uh, and ideas and concepts and things being put into place that will hurt us more in the long run. But those things are really not sustainable. And we don't want to, enough people are awake and don't want to sustain those things. And so we are at this end of an era and the new era, I believe that there's healing and there's knowing ourselves better and there's community and there's how we can live next to each other, even if we have differences and still love and respect each other and give each other dignity. I think that's the new world that's coming. And I believe that we're going to experience it in our lifetime. I don't think it's that far off. I'm going to hold that vision with you. I think <laughs> to make your point a little bit further when yeah. you're talking about that is what I teach in my work is the shadow energy, the parasitic. Mm -hmm. And so when you're having all these dreams about like robot people and AI stuff, that's really scary. Mm -hmm. I was going to say earlier, and you're saying it now, that is the past. Because yeah. if you think about how we've gotten here with industrialization, robots is the only way to explain it. Like zombies, <laughs> like people are zombies, right? Like very rich people who are like, oh, I can just frack and destroy all the clean water. Like you can't be a human and actually think that's okay. You yes. are turned off. You are in, you are, the shadow is moving through you. You're a zombie. You're not a human anymore. I'm not saying that because I want to villainize these people or yes. harm them or anything. But if you can think about that from a neutral perspective, like, oh, that person just isn't a human, you know, someone yes. for me, it's in the daily of like getting rid of my grass in my front yard that I don't need to keep wasting water and I'm growing food and I live in a neighborhood. So I'm not, I'd mm. love to have a farm, but I don't. And so I'm working with what I have. Like, I don't want to be a zombie and just keep yeah. adding water that is so precious. I want to grow food with it. And I'm teaching Beautiful. myself because nobody taught me and I'm learning how to do it myself. And so that's the new world order that you're talking about, which is like, no one is coming to save us. No one is coming to rescue us, but we need to stand up for what we believe, say no to things that are continu continuously destroying the earth. And what is a little change you can do? Yeah. When we are doing that. Yeah. Because we can't change everything. We, we tend to, especially I know you do this. We want to hold the whole world on top of our shoulders. We have to fix everything. We have to fix our community and all of our kids' lives and every and our friends and, and their kids' lives too. And right now. Right now, before we go to bed tonight. 
Yes. Skip the bath. I'm saving the world. Like before we go to bed tonight. Yes. (laughs) You know? And so, and so what this, this, a lot of what I love what you said, but especially this point right here of what can I, what are the little things I can do? Remember that we still do live in this system. You know, there are things that, that are going that us ourselves by ourselves, we can't change that one thing, but what are the little things that we can do and give to the generation below us and the people around us? And that that will just keep having ripple effect the way all this toxicity that we experienced that was built the same way little by yep. little little by little we can do the same thing in a different fo- in a different focus in a different direction absolutely we're we're capable um liliana thank you so I, much i'm i'm so glad you were here with me Ugh. i just have two two more questions this is how we end the podcast and this is the first question if liliana of 15 years ago were to come into your dwelling and sit down, what wisdom would you share with her? I would just say, damn girl, you're so hot. You're so fine. You're so cute. You're so sweet. And big like, ups, big ups. And you don't need to take care of these partners anymore. You don't mm. need to heal them. Just go be your free bird self. Beautiful. I love it. Um, mm. Self-encouragement goes a long way. Uh, (laughs) Well, do you ever do that to yourself where you look at a picture of yourself from like 15 years Mm -hmm. back and you're just like, damn, I was cute or like, damn, I was adorable or yeah. Yes. And sometimes, wow. In that time I was worrying about something I thought was so big and it was not at all. That happens to me a lot. I used to be a big worrier in survival mode. So I, I experienced all those things and that's a good exercise too, to like, just look at you and be like, you're awesome. And you still, <laughs> you know, um, my last question, Liliana Barzola, what is your blessing for this world? I really hope that we can co-create mm-hmm. and I want to co-create with you. Mm. So if you're listening to this now, um, find someone to support your dream and help you get that basic co-creative joy and creativity going. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. You're awesome. Thank you so much. I just have Um, to say one, you are an incredible interviewer. Oh, thank you. I'm learning as I go. (laughs) You did incredible. You're so fun. Oh, thank you. I had to clear my throat. But I really just want to say that I love working with you in whatever capacity it is, because I always learn so much. And I really love, you have such a unique experience, especially for Oregon, having like grown up all over and your understanding of different cultures. So every time I'm hanging out with you, you tell me like a story about a friend or a place or something. And so I really hope that these stories keep coming out in your podcast and these conversations, because I love getting these tidbits of wisdom from you. Thank you. I also just think you're like so fun. I hope we go to the beach again. That's all. (laughs) Yes. Beach trip. As soon as it gets warm, we'll bring all the dogs and all the kids and all the friends. (laughs) We'll eat out there and we'll have a campfire. I'm down. Yay. It's happening. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. The original and healthy beats for this podcast were created by Quincy Davis. 
His details are in the show notes. Woke Wisdom podcast episodes are written, hosted, produced, and edited by me, Alexandra Loves. My guests, of course, bring their own wisdom. If you have any questions you want me to answer on the podcast, you can email me at wokewisdompodcast at gmail.com or even better, text the podcast at 601-301-6974. I would be so grateful if you helped me share these messages far and wide by boosting the podcast with good reviews on Apple Podcasts or by sharing the episodes with friends and groups and families on social media. That would be so awesome. It just takes a few moments and a few clicks. Click, 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 click. Be blessed and I'll see you next week. Oh, one more thing. They told me I needed a disclaimer, so cue the music. Let's do this. The information in all podcast episodes and corresponding materials, the Woke Wisdom Podcast with Alexandra Loves, are provided for general informational and explorative purposes only. It is not professional advice. Any content provided by Alexandra Loves, guests, bloggers, sponsors, or authors are of their own opinion and not intended to defame, slander, or malign any person, place, or thing. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or attached material. Alexandra Loves and her guests are not therapists, counselors, physicians, unless otherwise stated. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast or corresponding materials to treat any mental, physical, or medical condition in either yourself or others. Please seek out appropriate professionals for help. Privacy matters to the Woke Wisdom Podcast. People, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast may be changed to protect confidentiality. Through this podcast and corresponding materials, you're able to link to other websites, which are not under the control of this podcast or Alexandra Loves. The inclusion of any links does not necessarily imply a recommendation or endorse the views expressed within them. In no event is the Woke Wisdom Podcast or Alexandra Loves liable for any loss or damage, including without limitation, indirect or consequential loss or damage, or any loss and damage whatsoever arising from your interaction with this podcast or corresponding materials. This podcast and all corresponding materials should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. This podcast and all corresponding material is owned and copyrighted by Alexandra Loves. You are welcome to download and play the podcast and share with others for personal use. Please acknowledge the Woke Wisdom Podcast with Alexandra Loves as the source of the material. You may not accept without our express written permission, distribute or commercially exploit the content. Email wokewisdompodcast at alexandraloves.com to attain written permissions.